Hello, everyone. Welcome to Prefer Not To, weekly sometime cocktails and movies hour. Whoa! Shaking it up this week, Lucas. I am. Like a cocktail. Uh, uh, I can't recover. I don't know. Always movie cocktail podcast hour. With your hosts, Kate Matthews and Joshua Lucas. Damn you. As ordained in the Eldritch Scrolls of yore, I am not Kate. (laughs) And as engraved upon a tablet that is hidden beneath the ancient sands of Egypt itself... I'm not Josh. Every week, Kate and I first sample a cocktail that we're unfamiliar with or one that we feel like exploring. We then talk about our latest quest in our adventurous campaign through the lands of movies that might otherwise be forgotten. That time forgot. Uh, Everything from forgotten number one movies of our lifetime to horrible 1970s disaster flicks. Right now, we're taking a tour through what? The ranks of unforgettable... And unfortunate. Right now we're taking a tour through the ranks of unfortunate and ill-advised sequels. Sequels. Some some forgotten, some not so much. Not so much. Uh, <laughs> like today's movie. Look at eight and bed. Cadate. Because that's a word. Cadate, cadate, cadate. Boy, I came in enthusiastic. He's like an Austrian, I mean Australian. <laughs> so, cadate, yes. what cocktail are we drinking and what unfortunate or ill-advised sequel did we watch? We are having Clover Club. And what's in a Clover Club? The Clover Club. And what's in our movie? Uh, Our movie is 1978's The uh, Exorcist 2 colon Heretic. The The Heretic. Heretic. The Heretic. And I'm not sure, is there a colon? I don't know. Yeah. Mm. Um, We're a big fan of colons over here. (laughs) I think most human beings who like to digest and metabolize food Um, are fans of colons. The Clover Club is a cocktail that it contains gin, lemon juice, raspberry syrup, or you can just use plain grenadine. We chose to use raspberry liqueur, mm-hmm. uh, so titled at the local store as Razzmatazz. Yeah. I think it's also, it's just a raspberry schnapps is what it says. Yeah, it thing. is. And one egg white. So you dry shake all the ingredients in the shaker. Dry shake? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, what you do, I'm sorry. you <laughs> Cats! We have kept a cat prisoner in Kate's room, and that's apparently not I think working. that's Jill. Is it Jill? I think that's Jill. Uh, we have She's cats like, I don't want to be everywhere. in here if Laura's not in here. Help! Uh, uh, that's a fun time. Um, Lenny, meanwhile, is ruling the roost. Yes, yeah. we have a lot of cats. All right, so uh, prefer not to mascot Lenny. Sorry, so yeah, it's gin, lemon juice, raspberry syrup, and an egg white. Okay, and who's in an exorcist to the heretic? Um, Let's see, we've got about whole bottle of scotch mm-hmm. in the form of Richard Burton. We've got a lot of, I'm guessing, qualudes, qualudes in the form of Louise Fletcher. Qualudes? Qualudes. And, uh, it is the 70s, so qualudes does work. I'm guessing that um, Linda Blair was just... High on life. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And uh, who else? Uh, some Max, not Max von Chanel, uh, Max von Sydow. <laughs> Probably some uh, Coumadin and uh, Viagra on the part of uh, of uh, oh. Paul, Paul Henry oh. in his final screen performance. Oh. Um, um, you know, I don't know why, but I keep I keep conflating Max von Sydow and Maximilian Schnell. Schell. In my mind. <laughs> so yeah, there's no Von and there's Max, no Schnell. You've called, Max von Schnell. Him, you've called him Maximilian Von Schnell any number of times on this show, which, you know, I'm sure he's flattered to be being talked about. He's dead. Is he? I'm Did pretty he sure. Okay, I don't think he's dead. I Maximilian Schnell? He's dead. Right. You know, he's on an episode of Mystery Science Theater. He's on a Hamlet uh, episode of Mystery Science Theater. I heard that that one was really bad. That episode, I mean, because there's not much that they can do with it. I think it's... they've said that before, but it was like a TV production of him. Anyhow, so... Our cocktail is the Clover. Our cocktail is the Clover Club. It's like a tongue twister. Can you? This guy, right? Yes. Yeah, he's dead. Okay, poor guy. And our motion picture is Exorcist Two, possibly colon, definitely the Heretic. And before we hear about what's gone gone into the making of them and the stories behind each of them, as you know, Kate, Mm. we have to do the standard disclaimers. First disclaimer: Neither Kate nor I is a cocktail expert. Before we started this show, yes, Kate, you had something to interject? It is. There is a colon in the title. There is a colon? Yep. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, neither Kate nor I is a cocktail expert. Before we started this show, I think, what, 90% of the mixed drinks I'd ever had had been at Dollar Well Drink Night at Bruin View at the Vic in Chicago? Well, I think for me, it was probably um, a lot of SoCo and lime. Yeah. And ginger ale, which is tasty, but not a cocktail, I don't think. Nope. And neither of us is a movie expert. I know Kate's DVD collection consists mostly of horror sequels, 
in which there are inexpertly drawn droplets of blood dripping from the Roman numerals affixed to the movie's title. <laughs> That's true. Uh, whereas I haven't left the house since 2003. And don't forget about documentaries of the making of all right. of those movies. Or the, the, just the making of the, the, the inexpertly drawn droplets yep, of blood. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't left the house since 2003. Why? I'm pretty sure they stopped making movies after Lost in Translation. Prove me wrong, Hollywood. Second disclaimer. Yes. Alcoholism and addiction are serious diseases, not unlike malaria and sickle cell anemia. If you had either of those, you'd be under the care of a professional. And likewise, you can't beat the drinking problem by yourself. You should seek medical care. You should, some friends and family are your best support system. Yes. And so do you know why I linked those two diseases? I know that people with sickle cell anemia are less likely to contract malaria. That is right. right. It's believed that sickle cell anemia is a adaptive response to African populations. Uh, exposure to malaria. Oh, because it is predominantly more common in African Americans, right? Right. Uh, it, it's almost universally in uh, people of African or African American descent. And that is how we came to it for this movie, uh, a large portion of which t- takes place in Africa with an esteemed African American actor. Oh, yeah. James Earl Jones was in this, wasn't yes. he? Yep. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so, Kate. Yes. With those warnings, why don't you tell us about the Clover Club? Is there a Clover Club, like the club? Like a club that I can't, that club sound is just addictive. Is there is there a club a club clover that served the clover club? That is in fact where it gets a cloistered the name. a cloistered clover club. I don't think it's much of a cloister, although I have never been there, so you're going to have to bear with me a little bit. Is there um, a clue as to where the cloistered clover club is? A cloistered clover club clue? It's uh, actually in Philadelphia. That's a clever clover cloistered clover club clue. I can't. I'm sorry. I really wish there was a way for me to turn Philadelphia. No. Cloister no. Clover Club. Clakers? Complex? Pennsylvania was no. founded by Clakers. Clakers? So it would be a clever Claker Cloister Club clue. It's the city of clo- <laughs> Clotherly Clove. Tell us <laughs> so tell us lame. about this Claker cocktail. So there, um, the, the ho- there's a hotel in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. There's several, actually. Mm-hmm. The one we are talking about is the Bellevue Stratford Hotel mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, where uh, they had a less a physical club. Although there is a club in Brooklyn that is still in service today called the Clover Club after this group. But when they were in Philadelphia, they were This is an actually... old Brooklyn club or a new Brooklyn hipster club? It's probably a little bit of both because it's Brooklyn. I don't know. So a group known as the Clover Club, you know, like the uh, like the Elks or, um, you know, your Masons of Stone mm-hmm. and stuff. Your Civitan. Yeah, would meet um, for drinks mm-hmm. in the 1880s and onward. And eventually uh, they... And I don't know who invented the cocktail. If someone at that bar started mm-hmm. serving them what is now known as the Clover Club, and it became mm-hmm. intensely, immensely popular. Loyal Order of the Water Buffalo. And yeah, and uh, so like uh, you've got a lot of people like writers, lawyers, like Yates loved them, journalists, captains of industry in the Philadelphia mm-hmm. steel business. Not the whole Carnegie. The whole Carnegie. Exactly. Circle. And so from Philadelphia, it became really popular, and those are all people who traveled a lot, so it quickly filtered its way out to other cities. Because of the other link cities. between the steel industry and the rail industry. Yeah. So, and then, um, you know, it became really popular. It is a drink that is pink, it's very fruity. Don't you agree, Josh? Uh, it is. It tastes, uh, well, we'll get to what it tastes like in a second, but it definitely has a, uh, you know, the raspberries are prominent. So it was really popular from the 1880s. I think it appears in print for its first actual recipe in 1910. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely in the Savoy cocktail book that we, you gave me. And that, that book dates to what, like the 30s? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that that, but uh, by the 1930s, it kind of became, it was so sweet, I guess. And because th- this is a theory that I read is that because of prohibition, um, alcohol was less was less easy to come by, mm-hmm. so people were just, you know, doing with what they could. They would just drink it straight, like, you know, your bathtub gin and your whiskey. And your... See, that seems to me to be counterintuitive, because if I was drinking bad liquor, mm. I guess the idea is you can't get very much of it, so you're just going to drink it. You're not going to mix it with anything. You're yeah, just going to drink no it and get screwed up. Yeah, refined cocktails, because you're going to a gin joint. Right. So, um, the idea is that when Prohibition was repealed, mm-hmm. and after the Great Depression hit, um, Raspberries are back in force. <laughs> Well, after Prohibition hit, um, hit, yeah, when it ended, all of these cocktails from people came back. And this was something that was really uh, fruity and pink and kind of indulgent because you need an egg white, which we need to. Mm-hmm. And so by 1934, Esquire magazine had named it a drink for pansies. Mm-hmm. And 
cited it was as that a one gay of, slur i'm not sure i'm I guessing think, so yeah it was seen as like kind of the first lady drink you know we well got... you know it has the, it has that in common then i guess with the cosmopolitan which was also a pink drink mm-hmm. so. or pink lady and that's another thing about it is that the pink lady which you know uh, well so and again we're not referring to the Japanese rock act. No. Pink Lady is like the sister of the white lady, which we had on the show. Mm -hmm. It is very similar to this. It's gin and... um, Egg white. Egg white, grenadine, and I think like lime juice Mm -hmm. instead of being like this. So they're very similar. There's actually a comic from the Times where... uh, Not the the Times, like the New York Times. Like There's a comic that I saw where it's uh, the Pink Lady customer meets the... Um, meets the Clover Club customer, and you have a very dapper gentleman looking across the bar at the schlub who's ordering a pink lady. <sighs> the and clash like, of the cloistered <gasps> Clover Club clue customer. The case of the cloistered Clover Club. So it kind of naturally waned in that aspect and kind of just coasted, mm-hmm. if you will, until the kind of recent resurgence. Has it seen a resurgence? As much as there's been a cocktail res- mm-hmm. resurgence, I mean... One writer listed it as his his go to cocktail you've never heard of to suggest mm-hmm. to people, um, like we do with Jack Roses, which we schlep to everyone. <laughs> we do, we schlep them. By the way, guys, if you haven't heard of the uh, the Jack Rose, it's a delicious all American cocktail. Yeah. So, uh, 1934, Esquire named it a drink for pansies, a statement which they have since recanted and said that they were mistaken back then. But that's the that's the history of the Clover Club. Were they mistaken in the use of that horrible slur, or were they just mistaken in attributing that horrible slur to a particular cocktail? I think they said they they discovered that they actually liked it because it is a very delicious beverage. It is. It's tasty. It's a, a desserty beverage. It's very sweet. So, mm. yep. Yeah, I think mine tastes uh, like, and I said this to you, and you looked at me like I was crazy, but it yeah. tastes like uh, raspberry cheesecake. To me, it tastes like sherbet. Sherbet. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's um, it's a little more creamy than mm-hmm. a sherbet. You know, sherbet doesn't have any milk in it, right? It doesn't? No, it's all fruit and ice. Then why am I not eating sherbet right now? I don't know. I mean, it's like gelato. Can You can eat gelato, no, right? No, you can't. Gelato has... There's no milk in gelato. There's pain in gelato. <laughs> it's made with pain and sorcery. There's no milk in gelato. Okay. I'm telling you. You win this time, Lucas. <laughs> um, so when you're making the beverage, there's one thing that I'd never heard of before, mm-hmm. which is that you have to dry shake the ingredients. Yeah, and I don't know what that means. Which means... Uh, you get your shaker, you mm-hmm. crack your egg, and you get the egg white, and you really have to shake that up for about three minutes before you add the ice and the other ingredients to get a good froth so that it right. gives you that rich pink color that you Well, because, yeah, egg, egg whites will congeal pretty quickly Yeah, if you don't, uh, in cold. And they, so I think they, that's the idea. They, like, make the drink, not cloudy, but, you know, it gives it, like, kind of a froth. froth. Yeah. yeah, it gives it a froth. I like it. It gets my thumbs up. It's mm-hmm. a, you, you couldn't pound them back like, apparently, you know, Henry J. Frick did, uh, Henry Clay Frick, uh, or, uh, or whoever. Anecdote, Yates apparently had his first one and liked it so much, he drank two others in quick succession and mm-hmm. then stood up and, like, fell immediately on his face. Yeah, I couldn't do that just because of the egg content. Well, that was a different time, Josh. People were crazy back then. You got egg in your water. You turned on the you turned on the spigot, and half the time, what came out was just runny, goopy egg. <laughs> People were used to eggs being in everything. I know that, it was a time when parents would tell their children that mm-hmm. if they were good, perhaps the egg fairy would visit them in the night, <laughs> exactly. and they would get up to go to their refrigerator in the morning and open it, and there would be st- Christmas morning. Every kid hoped there would just be a puddle of egg whites under the tree, and they would sit there. They'd kneel down, lap it up like a kitty cat. You've never heard that. Happy, no, 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 happy, no. happy egg lapping day? No, my grandmother told me about it. Yeah, that's what they, it's a synonym for Christmas, she egg lapping day. She didn't do it, but she told me about how her parents did. So. so speaking of lapping up things that are not necessarily either tasty or good for us, tell us a little bit about the movie we watched this week. We watched The Exorcist 2, colon, mm-hmm. The Heretic, as previously mm-hmm. mentioned. Okay, you're starring... a fan of the original Exorcist, correct? Right. I mean, if you're, who isn't? I think there are people who, I think... There are people who it doesn't speak to. It's a little cold, I think, sometimes what do to you some mean by people. That? Well, you know, it's um, it's not necessarily loaded up with warm characterizations. Oh, I see it's pretty much mean. an exercise in, uh, you know, effing with the audience. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, yes, I'm a fan of the mm-hmm. original. I think that it is really well done. I so you think... must have been delighted to hear we were going to do this movie. Well, I've heard so many things about how awful this movie is. There's literally a Wikipedia article that I was reading at work called 
the worst movies by mm-hmm. decade, and this is one of them. Well, that, which is crazy. I can name you ten movies that are worse than them, oh. even in the seventies. Oh God, yeah. We've, like, seen, we've seen ten worse movies than this on our show. Yeah, and this is not a good movie. This is a bad. It's movie. not good, but it. It's a bad out, movie. It, 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 it's not good. You're right. It's a bad movie. Okay. okay. Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> uh, this movie that we watched stars Richard Burton. Mm-hmm. Of course, Linda Blair mm-hmm. rec- reprising her role as Reagan. Um, stars Richard Burton as half priest, half bottle of scotch. Yep. And then what is her last name? Reagan McNeil. McNeil. Um, Linda Linda Blair. I just said that. Mm-hmm. Louise Fletcher. Oscar her, winner Louise Fletcher. As her. Well, Oscar winner Richard Burton. Too, and Oscar. Right? Did he won? I don't know. What did he won for oh. Camelot or something? I don't know. For Camelot. Wait, he wasn't in the Camelot um, movie. I keep James Earl Jones. My brain. No, that was Richard Harris. Richard Harris. <laughs> Um, they screwed Josh, up you, the casting on you, that movie. You, you take over for a second. I'm just gonna no. I'm not gonna think. What, I just believe you like the Camelot movie. We, we're gonna have that. No, movie. that's not. That's not what I'm saying. I'm okay. saying I love Richard, Richard Harris. Harris. I know. Bro. We've had that discussion when we were talking about Mad Men. We had a lot of Richard Harris discussions. Remember, because we were trying to figure out how rich Jared Harris was just off of MacArthur Park. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So does uh, not Oscar sp- Oscar winner Louise Fletcher. Maybe Oscar winner Richard Burton. Uh, sw- Swedish screen great Max von Sydow. And yep, uh, James Earl Jones, Darth Vader himself, mm-hmm. uh, Linda Blair. Mm-hmm. There were other future television star Dana Plato in one scene. Yeah, then there was that one chick um, from the 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 nanny from the first movie made a reprise. Right. And so yeah. And is there anybody else we're missing? I don't think so. Oh, and and in his final screen performance, oh. Victor Laszlo himself, Paul Henreid. Yeah. Or whatever his name of his character in Now Voyager was. Guy with cigarette who was sexy. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I don't, I mean, I know she had to go with Victor Laszlo, but doesn't everybody wish she would have stayed with Rick? You recognize that's the point of the movie. I know. I'm just, <laughs> I love that movie so much. Um, Although I, I have always questioned, like, how effective was his supposed resistance movement mm-hmm. if he's been in an internment camp for, like, what, two years? And he's escaped, and he's, like, just hanging out in Casablanca. Is he really leading it? Is it really effective? I, I just like don't... it's an underground thing, and he is the, the figurehead in the sense that that's who the Nazis are blaming, but he is, in fact... I think, uh, yeah, I think he's got, a, he's got a pretty sweet gig. I mean, yeah, he's... Mary yeah, guys, did. I am totally the most valuable. Re- ladies, I am leading a revolution against badness in uh, the Republic of North Badistan. I think that's how he got Elsa to come back to him. And it is, I do very important work, and I can only concentrate on it if you are in my lap. And oh. I know that you would rather go with this charming rogue who owns a, a really fun bar. Who you fell in love with in Paris in the space of like four days. Mm-hmm. But <sighs> you need to think about the world and freedom and get on my lap. <laughs> and join me in a rousing sing-along of... Of the Marseillais. Of the Marseillais. <laughs> also, how does he come off as French? He's like Hungarian or something. I don't... I've never, and his last name in the thing is Laszlo. It's not... Well, that's a Hungarian last name. I think he's supposed to be Hungarian in the movie, and he's like German in real life. But they Well, him. yeah, but he's like married to... And then Ilsa... Doesn't... You notice how quickly we went on to a movie that we enjoyed watching much better... What? Much more... <laughs> And uh, then The Exorcist 2, which, by the way, was on Richard Burton's mind. You read the fact that he only performed in this movie so that he could be, they could make the movie of Equus, which yep. he had done on Broadway. Yes. Right. Yep. That's how we agreed to do this or something. Or he had the funding from the paycheck or something like that. changed it for a favor. Anyway, so let's get down to brass This is also tacks. a John Borman picture. So going in. Let's talk about John Borman for a second. Have we done, I think we've done, have we talked about John Borman on the show? Have I we done any John Borman movies? I don't think we've done any for the show. I do think we have uh, mentioned Excalibur in passing during one of our discussions about Irish mm-hmm. actors and yeah. how they're not really Irish. You know, that was Kieran Hines' first uh, big screen role. In Excalibur? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, you told me that at the time. Yeah. And, and like was... Liam Neeson is in, I mean, everybody's in it. But Patrick Stewart. No, he's it's not. like yeah, yes. Yeah, Patrick Stewart is uh, one of those Leo Grants or whatever. God damn it! All right, so everybody's in that. Everybody's movie. in that movie. Anyway, um, John Borman, who you may know from his films like Excalibur, Zardoz, mm-hmm. sure, <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> home of the home of the over the shoulder banana hammock, Zardoz. <laughs> and what else? Josh, is there something I'm forgetting? Uh, sure, uh, the Emerald Forest, mm-hmm. um, Deliverance. What? Uh, you know, he makes so, he is known for uh, visually striking uh, stories that uh, have 
story elements that don't always make sense and exist in a somewhat fanciful or bizarre world. Yeah. Also, his kid was on that show with the motorcycles with Ewan McGregor. So that's that's John Borman, the director. Mm-hmm. He made this movie. Well, The Exorcist, the first one, was very popular. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they would make a sequel. And he was riding high that he's coming off of he's uh, Deliverance. He's coming off of 1976's Deliverance. 77? 71 or so. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of The Deer Hunter. I'm no. sorry. Um, no. <laughs> of, um, of Deliverance. And uh, this film went through a lot of uh, development hell. Several different scripts. Right, because the original Exorcist is like, what, 72? Something mm-hmm. like that? 73, 72. So when it finally came out, well, you can you tell I'm avoiding trying to jump into to the plot? To jump into the plot, which is fun. I mean, when you describe the story, it's not a uh, crazy story. It doesn't have much to do with The Exorcist. Right. So uh, a cro- couple of crossover characters are uh, Father Marin, the babysitter nanny person from the first movie, and Reagan herself. Reagan is now in her teens. She's living in the city with um, without her mother, who is off, who is explained away as filming something on location so she's there with her nanny person from the original uh, movie she is in a uh, house made entirely of mirrors yeah her entire house is made of mirrors and reflective surfaces and again this is the first one of those uh, incredibly john borman touches you may recall if you've seen excalibur how uh, the knights of the knights of the round table walk around wearing mirrors essentially yeah everything <laughs> yeah, glints this, uh, her house is basically it looks like uh, Every surface that had ever been snorted cocaine off of in Studio 54 was moved into Regan Neal's yeah. apartment. Recycling is important. Yeah, it is. That's true. She's uh, she doesn't. She claims to not remember anything from the events of the first movie. She just remembers being sick, and uh, so she sees a psychiatrist who is played by Louise Fletcher, who mm-hmm. operates from this weird yeah. Tell, describe uh, this hospital. Oak paneled, honeycomb. Yeah. In which each little hexagon is its own, there's, is its own office patient or office or patient right. being it's treated. It's basically a giant. It's a giant open sort of hospital. And again, this is so Borman. It's like this is a space that would not exist except in some crazy person's brain. <laughs> it's a big open plan with these hexagonal, like Kate said, glass cells, each of which is. Containing a patient, I guess. Yeah, it's there's either patients in there by themselves, or they're with like a nurse. They're mostly background people. To me, it looked like the inside of the TARDIS, but like flipped on its side. That's actually very accurate. Um, and then the one exception to that being that Louise Fletcher has her main office, right. which well, she's she, hanging out. Yeah, in. you get a double hexagon. And um, so she sees Louise Fletcher's character, who has invented or is pioneering some kind of hypnotherapy, <laughs> pulsing mind link thing like it's basically what you do is you put on a a, you put on a headset and you watch a blinking light and then someone else puts on their headset and watches the blinking light with you and you start chanting the number of the blinks and the number of the blinks that's in revelation right isn't it's 626 is the number of the blinks and um then eventually you Vulcan mind meld and you can venture into each each other's pasts not unlike in previous movie favorite that we talked about on the show the cell Mm -hmm. with Mm. Very much uh, so. With Jennifer Lopez yeah. and uh, Vincent Clanofrio. The, the gimmick is that whoever does this technique can venture into the imagination or dreams or experiences. And vice, and vice versa, too. Because the what they one. see in the other person's mind can be so shocking that it causes them to go into like cardiac arrest. Mm-hmm. So, this is something that she is trying to use with Reagan because Reagan claims not to remember anything that happened to her in the events of the previous movie. So, to get down to the heart of it, she's got to go inside her brain. And then who should come along but Richard Burton, who right. is playing a priest. This is sort of, it's a variation on the, the therapy is sort of, and you know, it's used today. There's EMDR, which is a sort of flashing light therapy that they basically have people look at a flashing light and talk about their problems. That's what Hannibal did. That's um, how you get where you got with Will Graham. Yeah. That's what happened to Raul Esparza. Right. But it's a combination of that, which has a little science behind it. And what, something that was very popular in the 70s, biofeedback therapy, which is bullshit. So it's sort of merging the two of those into some sort of bullshit science. Right. 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 So basically, you both look into this light, and and the t- they, there's a noise bleeping that tells you how you're lowering your level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so it's like, beep, 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 beep. And it's, I can't get it. It's... There are long, gripping sequences of people staring into flashing lights in this movie. Yeah. 
So who comes along but one Richard Burton, who has been sent on a mission of God <laughs> right. by Paul Henry. You're on a mission of mercy. Um, Miss Murray. Miss Murray. And he's a priest, not Father, featured in the first movie. Father Burton. Right. What's his What's his character's name? Um, I don't remember. But Hold Paul, on, we got to pause. Cause we got we gotta, we gotta to find the, guy, the guy's name. This is very important. Paul Henry uh, plays the, he's um He's the cardinal. He's a cardinal. And they and they they connect it to the previous movie. Richard Burton's character is a priest who was taken with the theories of Max von Sydow's Father Marin from the previous movie. That hither known hither before unbeknownst to us, Father Marin had posited a new cosmology in which there are a spectacularly good saint-like people with magic powers born into the world, and demons come into the world to destroy them. Father Philip Lamont. There we go. That's his name. And for this new cosmological view, Father Marin was uh, excommunicated and declared what, Kate? A heretic. A heretic. That's where we get the movie title. And Richard Burton also is a follower of his theories. And Paul Henry says, well, you know, you've got to recount these theories, but we're going to send you on this mission anyway. Figure out what happened to Father Marin. Right. What really happened. And so there's a lot of hemming and hawing. He says he's not worth it. And then basically Paul Henry's like, suck it up, you pansy. Go. Here, have a clover club on your way out the door. (laughs) Which I'm sure Richard Burton would have happily accepted. So he shows up and... He volunteers to go inside her brain. Right, there's a we, yeah. Oh, oh, I think this is what happens. So she's he he shows up to observe a therapy session between Reagan and uh, right. Reagan the is doctor. still undergoing therapy, but is also kind of a volunteer at this uh, TARDIS I clinic. I get the feeling that she's been going there so much that she's just kind of yeah. like they know like oh it's Reagan come on in you know. Well, first she she, she does the thing with the drawing the picture. Mm-hmm. Where she sees him surrounded by flames, and then there's a flame in the fire in the basement that he goes and puts out. I think that's later, though. No, I think then. So, well, what are you talking about? Well, now? I was talking about the scene. So um, Louise Fletcher goes under with Reagan, mm-hmm. and then whatever she's seeing causes her to go into like the seizure like state, and they can't get her out. Of course, Reagan is like still bonding with her. So in order to get Louise Fletcher out, right. um, Father Marin has to go in. Right, and, and he talk sees her out. a and vision sees... of what happened on the night that. Father Marin died. Father Marin died. Which is the classic, you know, your mother's sick. <laughs> right. Your mother darn socks in hell. Exactly. And, and uh, uh, just as the demonic version of uh, Reagan McNeil was uh, fighting for the heart of Father Marin, and we see in sort of superimposed form, he is grabbing the heart, so is the demonic form oh, of God. Reagan McNeil trying to palpate Louise Fletcher's breast. It's near as I can tell. It really does look like... It, and, and they, and they, and There's a lot of overlay. It really does look like it's a demon uh, cop in a feel. Well, I mean, if you were a demon, wouldn't you? I would be all about that shit. I mean, I'm evil already. I'm going to hell. Will you send me home? Yeah. Thanks. I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm home. I'm going to jerk one off before I get there. But, uh, yeah. Jerk so. one off? Is that something people say? What? <laughs> Also, and that people do on their way to other places. Well, I guess if you're a demon. <laughs> it's like, fuck it. Yeah. What are, I'm, in the, I'm in the diamond lane. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> My co-pilot, Satan. officer, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and they and, and driving the demon car. Did from we the car. know that the demon was Pazuzu from the first movie? Um, I believe it is yes, mentioned. Yes, we, right. we we figured out. Foul Father, Prince of the Wind. Father Marin mentioned something about yeah. it because he, as you'll remember from the first movie, he is a missionary in his earlier days, which is why we flash back to Father Marin. Right. Out of his makeup this time, playing uh, normal Max von with, with hair dyed blonde, so that he looks like you remember him from uh, Bergman movies. And uh, he is like climbing cliffs. He there is a thing where he encounters a sick child. Basically, the story that he told in the first movie we see on screen: the story yeah. of him exercising an African kid. But it turns out that uh, this African kid was some sort of healer, and uh, that's why the demon. That's chose why the demon him. Pazuzu, prince of evil, prince of the air, chose him to destroy. Um, so because I- again, this is. All of this new cosmology that there are people who the demons really, really want to destroy. Right. So then I don't even know how to get into the thing about the locusts, but... Well, he knows that it's in Africa, so... And I think we learned that the kid's name was Kukumo. (laughs) So... Yes, we did. Right. So, um... In a scotch-fueled fervor, Richard Burton <laughs> dons uh, a leisure suit. No, well, he, first of all, he knows that he's the kid's name, the guy's name, Kakumo, and that he's in Africa. He's in this village that Father Marin has been mm-hmm. um, not exercising, but mm-hmm. he he's discovered there's a demon there named Pazuzu. Right. And this is the, a callback to the story from the first movie. 
And at the beginning of The Exorcist too, there's like a little bit of a flash forward thing where he sees right. He sees the statue. The and statue. It's yeah. like you know that he's still alive. So that seemed to take place in like Assyria. This takes place in Africa in like a petrolite kind of situation. Right, and it's, I know that. Uh, I think Pazuzu, historically Pazuzu is a uh, like Babylonian. Assyrian yeah, there's like Babylonian too. Syrian god of the air. Um, yeah. So who knows? Are you telling me that perhaps John Borman's cosmology is a little off? Maybe. It's possible. So Father Marin returns to Africa. He he learns of this like boy that is possessed by demons, and he exercises him. Kukumo. Then R- Richard Burton is on his way to this town. Right. He so, him, I'm going to make a trip. As, as Having been challenged by Pazuzu. He's, he's going to find the grown-up version of Kokomo. I mean, shit. Right. God damn it. Kakumo. Kakumo. He's on a trip to Kokomo, Indiana <laughs> to visit a young boy, to visit Father Marin. Uh, Father Marin's dead. No. On, Father Marin on his trip to Kokomo. Which is actually the title of Father Marin's autobiography. What? A trip to Kakumo? A trip to Kokomo. Right. Yes. God damn it. Well, he, no, that's fair. Because he, he, he actually grew up in Kokomo. Father Marin? Yes. He's not from, he didn't go to Kakumo. He wasn't actually a priest. This was all just, he, it's an autobiography of a kid from Kokomo. It's like aspiration, like that, like the secret kind of stuff where Oprah, like, if you wish hard enough, you will right. become it. Envision yourself as a uh, man of the cloth who casts out demons and princes of the air, and you will be that person. So he, he just happened to envision a boy who had a name very similar to his hometown. In his autobiography. Then, of course, he envisioned him joining the Beach Boys and uh, doing a song. <laughs> is that what explains that it's a particularly dark period in the in the Beach Boys history? Is that what happened? Yeah, they that had, song is all about demonic possession. They had a brief but tumultuous relationship with one Max von Sydow. Yes, that is right. All about uh, he, 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 you know, he wanted to make a lot more songs about devils and demons, Kukuma. and they were like, you know, we're more uh, into like surfing and girls. Everybody knows. A little place called Kokomo. Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> so <laughs> Richard Burton ends up... Not in Kokomo. Not in Kokomo. Not in Kakumo either, thank God. Because <laughs> oh ends up in Kakumo at one point. Yeah, but um, so he goes to find the grown-up version of Kakumo, who it turns out is played by James Earl Jones, who has become a healer. Mm-hmm. He has this weird trippy version where it's right. like he meets him and like he's like much an like Linda chief. Blair, right? He is part of this cosmology where there are these special people who spring up in the world who are healers. Yeah, and he meets the real Kakumo, who has since grown up to be a James doctor. Who is a well a researcher? He's not a doctor, Something right? Like he researches. Yeah. Uh, he has a big room full of locusts. What? Right. And he says, well, you know, Pazuzu. It often takes the form of locusts when he plagues these people. And uh, locusts, you know, it's a lot like humanity. There are bad locusts, and it just takes one to start brushing his wings against the other, and that's what starts like, the swarm. Rile, rile them up. And uh, but it, so the it, once one bad locust starts brushing his wings, they all have their wings brushed and they all turn into swarm. But on the other hand, it would just take a good locust to brush the wings and calm them down and Are stop them off. Locusts like lemmings in this situation, like yeah, they seem more like line, like a, yeah, like a like ants or a diseased. But at this point, also is where we get my favorite read in the entire movie. Don't we? Which is where <laughs> Richard Burton is hearing this story. About the locusts. I can see Josh, like, physically preparing to deliver this. I really wish you guys could see it. <laughs> he is being told about the, the locusts and their behavior uh, and about how it would just require a good locust to calm them down. And he gives this read that is, I can only imagine, is akin to what <laughs> he said when John Borman told him about the idea for the movie, which is, <laughs> he says... So then James Earl Jones says something like, "We would only take a good locust to calm him down." And Richard Burton says something like, this, "Excuse me, a good locust." <laughs> it's so true. Um, and his face—he looks so like I can't figure how much of it is him being drunk and how much of it is being puzzled. Or and then it has that sort of recursive thing of where when you're a little bit drunk. But you're worried you might be more drunk because people are saying crazy shit around you and you don't know if it's the drunk or the crazy talking. You know, it's like it's like it's like you get a little bit high, but then you go see a Pixar movie. You're a lot high. (laughs) You're like, holy shit. Right. My life is changing. Right. But if you're a little bit high and then you just go to sleep, it's like, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Right. You're Richard Burton in this case. He's a little bit drunk and he has someone talking to him about 
a good locust. And it's like it's like when you come home from work mm-hmm. and you pour yourself a glass of wine or you crack open a beer, you finish it, and right as you're about to like change out of your work clothes, your dad calls and you have to pretend to be like, "Yes, sir, I I am, I am great. How I are am you? Fully clothed. You know and what I mean? Not drinking. And except he's totally caught you like with one glass into a bottle of wine, <laughs> that is and you're walking around. And you're, like you're, you're walking around talking about good locusts. And that is the look. It's like dad called him up. Yeah, Richard, I need you. I need you to help me out. Help me out with a good locust. <laughs> a good locust. <laughs> it's like he just woke up. Am I dreaming? Is this an actual phone call about the? Excuse me. The good locust. You know, your Richard Burton kind of sounds like Marlon Brando. I... You're Marlon Brando, not. It's not very good Marlon Brando, but I think it's an okay Richard Burton. It's pretty good, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, having been informed about the importance of the good locust. Because it's true. Uh, turns out, old Pazuzu's doing a switcheroonie, has lured uh, Father Lamont over to Africa, that he might have his wiles with Reagan McNeil back home. Yet again. Because, yes. like, the demon's been inside her this whole time, and she just hasn't, it wasn't truly exercised I think it's like tuberculosis. Or some shit. Yeah. It's like chicken pox. Like, it just right. comes back. Right, to... she's got shingles now. Now she's, she's got shingles. She's got Pazuzu shingles. That was my favorite uh, Andy Warhol superstar, Pazuzu shingles. I was going to say, you know, Pazuzu shingles is my... A lot of people um, like Candy Darling. I'm a big fan of Pazuzu shingles. Pazuzu shingles is my, uh, is my Styx cover band. Oh, yeah. But I like, I'm, I'm really fond of uh, cheddar cheese and sour cream Pazuzu shingles. I think those, <laughs> those are my favorite. I like the, I like the, yeah, I like the pizza Pazuzu shingles. They just basically taste like oregano. One day I really want to have a, uh, a mission style house that's just covered in Pazuzu shingles. <laughs> So, uh, it, Lamont comes back to the States, and Regan is possessed, and they go, They all go back to the house. There's the a bunch ori- of locusts back at the house The original again. house in Washington. Right. Which um, is, like, it's weird because, like, Regan is uh, hanging out, and the babysitter comes up to her, and it's like, oh, I gotta run out for a few hours, and she's like, where are you going? I'm going to Washington. I'll be back in a few hours. And I think they're in New York, right? Like, where the fuck are they? Yeah, well, she's clearly in New York because that's the only place where they have mirror lofts. <laughs> so it's like, how do you New get York to is DC the world from capital New York? Of mirror encrusted penthouse apartments. It's true, but how do you get from New York to Washington that's DC not, and back in a few that's hours? Like the train. Okay, maybe yeah, that's right. I didn't think about that. Yeah. So they all go back to ye old house from the original. Um, Father Marin encounters a giant locust. Yeah, there's also yeah, and there's many a number of points. I think we mentioned this about the Africa part, but there's a neat one neat phenomenon oh, is yeah. in Africa when Pazuzu is attacking these villages. First of all, there's some interesting locust photography with a lot of orange tint to it, and uh, like point of view flying through caves right around this Petra-like city. Yeah, uh, but the, the conceit I think is that Pazuzu is just sort of a sound going through the air, and you hear this sort of woman ululating sound, mm-hmm. which I think is a neat idea. They don't really explicitly say that, but every time you're sort of getting a pazuzu eye view... It sets a good atmospheric right. kind of thing. I just wish that they kind of followed through with that, yeah. you know? I think it is the one it's original like good, good idea yeah, exactly. in this movie. So, And that's kind of a spooky idea for a creature that, you know, propagates itself only through a sound. Yeah. Because um, by the time you've heard it, it's too late. Right. Exactly. <laughs> if you hear a pazuzu in the forest, you're already possessed. Well, no, I was just going to say it's interesting because I was reading about banshees at work today, but that's mm-hmm. another story. But it is very banshee-like, yes. Yeah, anyway. Um, so we come back, we go back to the house, although it's clearly not the actual house because they've mocked up a soundstage for it. And for some reason also... Uh, uh, all their shit is still there. Yeah. And like, then and they, they all... go up to Reagan's bedroom and there's like a bed that is like the bed from the movie yeah. and it's just covered in like white sheets and yet no one is... And I, I... Well, no, someone's there. Which is Demon Pazuzu. And again, this is... Uh, Kate, my understanding of demonic possession. Yeah. Demon, ethereal prince of the air, enters your body, mm-hmm. compels you to do unholy things. Right? That's what is terrifying about possession. And in fact, the origin of the name, possession, you are possessed by the creature. Right. So in this movie, mm-hmm. there's two Linda Blairs. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So, yep. And it's not like in a wacky French farce sense. There's one evil Linda Blair in in the room in the house who apparently, I guess, has been there all the time. 
Or she's, like, reinvigorated. Right. Yeah, because that's another thing. Like, they keep saying, like, oh, the demon was inside her the whole time. And I'm like, god damn it. So they're in a room, and evil Linda Blair is trying to be all sexy and seduce Father Lamont. And, of course, he can't tell the difference between the two. How do I know which one's the real one? Right. And she's making all of these sort of really cheesy (laughs) uh, sounds. And real Regan, (laughs) right, real Regan is uh, trying to get him to ignore her. Reagan. And Father Lamont starts flipping out and talking about the wings brushing him. Yeah, and she gets all friendly with Father Lamont. Right, right. The evil one tries to seduce Father Lamont. And uh, he's sort of slamming her up against the wall, yelling, the wings are brushing me. Except it's the real Reagan. It's the real one. Uh, And... At that, and then, and then the demon starts electrocuting uh, the babysitter. Yeah, I mean, babysitter what? and uh, and uh, what's her name? Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher show up at the house because they were following them because right. I think they thought that Father Marin was going to do ill to her or, or something. something like that. Um, and well, no, she Marin, no, 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 no. Babysitter came with Father Marin. Remember, because she's walking around and she's like, right. "I have never wanted to come back." Well, that was back originally here. right, oh, and then okay. they come back right. All right. Well, so, um, it's clear Pazuzu Father Marin, is... Father Lamont. Right. Pazuzu has laid his shingles upon the the babysitter. Who then fries the Who fiery. fries herself. The, the, as they are wrestling in the house between evil and good Linda Blair, Richard Burton reaches into the evil Linda Blair's chest and pulls its heart out. Which, which again, I like don't really understand that's way... how... To defeat a demon, because that seems really easy. Well, I think it was meant to be a callback to when the demon was copping a feel on Louise Fletcher. Remember, there was the oh, whole, like, yeah. it was trying to grab a heart. But it's yeah. still, like, it doesn't have a heart. It's an ethereal it's, spirit. It seems like it's an apparition, first of all. It's not even, like, the spirit inside actual Linda Blair. Because you've got actual Linda Blair over there, right. like, and if you were a spirit, then why would you, Nick's you know, why would you, uh, you know... It's it's like the problem where it's like manifest wh- a heart that you could grab. Exactly. It's like, it's like why does the Death Star have this one right, tiny this one thing feature that you, you yeah. can... Anyway, so uh, they save the day. But then a bunch well, of locusts oh. explode out. The house starts melting a la uh, Amityville Horror or uh, X or, or Poltergeist, uh, Poltergeist yeah. style. The, right. it, starts, like, the, it starts falling around around them. Coffins and, are popping uh, out of the floor. locusts flying everywhere. And uh, Mom's running Linda around Blair, in a t-shirt. Linda Blair, who turns out to be uh, the good locust, starts spinning around and making a whirlwind of good and calms all the locusts down. Mm-hmm. And there you have The Exorcist 2. Colin Heretic. Yeah. So, Kate, mm-hmm. what what did you like from this movie? We've been pretty hard on it because it makes no damn sense. Um. Well, I liked. I liked a lot of. Okay, John Borman, bless his soul, mm-hmm. has a lot of striking images. Sure. This is the man who created the over-the-shoulder banana hammock from Zardoz. Okay, that's not what I was going for, but there's certain shots that just stick out in your mind. Like, for me, personally, like, Linda Blair walking over the air and the fat, like, off the top of the penthouse. She's, Mm -hmm. like, floating on air. That's really striking, and, like, the images Mm of, um, of of Pazuzu flying Mm -hmm. from the camera's point of view. And then, also, like, a lot of John Borman movies, it just makes no goddamn sense. Like, it's some striking images strung together by fuckery. Like, I don't even yeah. know what's going on. Like, no on. story. I think I would take, the, like we said, the sort of idea of the uulating air demon that moves and you could hear the sound. I thought that was interesting and, and affecting. Which, by the way, was the only thing that was even remotely scary in this movie. Do you think that's what Satan was doing at the end of The Passion of the Christ? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. sorry. Just... Satan was waiting to go play Guitar Hero. Because Satan's fucking metal. Um, so I liked that. I liked, I will remember at least the bizarro TARDIS-style hospital. Yeah. Uh, and the silver. All the, the fucking And all of the mirrors. God damn it, John Borman. What yeah. is it with you and mirrors? But this movie, yeah, yeah. It, it's two separate stories. And also kind of a lamentable last screen performance for uh, Paul Henry, uh, yeah. for Victor yeah, Laszlo. True. You know what I just thought of? What? I think there's, he even finds a way to, like, put mirrors in fucking Zardoz. Yeah, there's the man like, likes mirrors. When he meets like the weird like uh, forward thinking, sexless, yeah, like human people who the are... man likes mirrors. You know, like Excalibur, they're all just wearing mirrors. Yeah, in in this sort of shiny, completely anachronistic plate armor. I mean, I like that movie because it's deliberately anachronistic because it's you know these stories that are sort of timeless. It's so weird. I maybe, like it. Maybe we should try rewatching it when I'm not hammered because <laughs> I started out the movie like sober and then it got really weird really fast. Like there's that scene where Gabriel Byrne like has sex or like rapes that woman. Yeah. I'm not really sure what's going rapes. on. Rapes. He's Uther. Oh, he's Uther. Okay, right. So yeah. he he rapes uh, Arthur's mom and uh, then I was kind of like, well, fuck this shit. Tug, <laughs> chug it back. <laughs> I don't need your Borman rape movie. 
It's kind of like, well, if I'm going to get through this, i got to chug. Call me when we got Pazuzu shingles. <laughs> so if, if uh, Exorcist 2 colon the heretic were a cocktail, <laughs> yes. what would it be? Um, I'm having some trouble with this one because it's just such a mishmash of different things. My my uh, instinct is to go with like some kind of scotch only because it's Richard, Richard Burton. Burton. <laughs> like it's like a it's like the rusty nail or something. It's just drambuie <laughs> plus scotch, and it makes a weird, disgusting thing that kind of still uh, kind of accomplishes its goal. But it, you know, I don't know. What do you think? I have to. Have, are there any cocktails that make weird noises? Because otherwise, my idea was just like it's like a flat limb brusco. There's just nothing oh going on here. Oh God! Um, but uh, something if there if there were a cocktail that made this sort of sound, and this is the sound Pazuzu makes in the movie, it's sort of a ululating. You got it. Sound. You got it. Are you ready? Right. You got to do it. So Commit. You, I know. This is sort of this is the sound that Pazuzu makes in the movie. <laughs> the good locust. <laughs> No. That's not the sound that he makes, or she, or it, like a, or whatever. So, uh, I don't know. So, uh, Kate, uh, if the Clover Club itself were a movie. <laughs> Sorry for a second. I thought you were talking about, you said Clover, and I heard, if the no. Clover Field were a movie. <laughs> no, um, if the Clever Clover Club Cloistered oh, Clue God damn it, were a motion picture, what would it be? Um, so to me, And you have to name that movie ten times in a row. No, I don't. Okay. I will not. Um, the Clover Club to me is it's very like light and frothy. So I want to do some. I'm tempted to do something like really indulgent, but still like easy to watch, like mm-hmm. The Age of Innocence. I don't know why I'm thinking of that movie. I think it may, the color, the taste, everything about it just seems really like. Not that Age of Innocence is a whimsical mm-hmm. movie because it's not, but it's. I think it's approachable from an audience standpoint, and then you kind of like you can wheel people in on the fact that it's like a whimsical drama. And then it, you know, really hits you in the nuts. I don't know. Um, that's, I'm going with Age of Innocence mm-hmm. with Daniel Day Lewis. I'm gonna go. I, I wanted something that was both sweet, but that secretly had meat to it. Because you know, I think you taste the Clover Club, and it's sweet, but it's kind of thick, and it's there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. So the movie I went with was Ple- Pleasantville. Nice. So it's a sweet movie, but there's a lot of ideas going on in that movie. Yeah. It's a smart movie with ideas. So, all right. And that's why this, if you leave the eggs in the Clover Club, mm-hmm. if you don't dry shake them, they actually mm-hmm. become sentient. Sentient? Sentient. Sentient? Oh my God, we've got a sentient Pazuzu shingle. <laughs> they become sentient. And then they start walking around with a lot of ideas about how eggs should be run. <laughs> okay, guys. Seriously. <laughs> you guys have fucked up eggs for too long. Umpty Dumpty. Umpty Dumpty. What was that shit? <laughs> You're just gonna Clover, fall off a goddamn wall. Clover Club is in town, and none of this fucking eggshell shit is gonna work anymore. <laughs> you let them die you for Easter? Seriously, what are you, man up! Pussies? What, kind of, what kind of pride do you have, eggs? <laughs> you, Humpty, <laughs> the shit, man! You haven't worked in thirty years. <laughs> You're gonna rely on someone else to put you back together again, Humpty Dumpty? Some pride. You know what? You know what? Pull Humpty, yourself by your own nobody's street. gonna put you together until you put you together. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, no, so. <sighs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, I did want to thank all the folks who have tweeted about us and uh, who've sent us mail and written yep. reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, where we are. If you listen to the show, even if you're only about it, love a review on the iTunes or the Stitcher. You can tweet us at, at PNTCast. Love to have you follow us. We will follow you back. We love letters to our email at pntcast at gmail.com we're on the facebook search for prefer not to we're on tumblr kate does a little tumblr page so if you'd like to listen to your podcast through the tumblr it's there and our website is pntcast at wordpress.com but we will soon have a new address so stay tuned for that all right so to close the show we've decided kate and i are going to do a would you rather to end the show every week all right you ready to go you want to go first you want me to go first you go first. I'm, I'm boiling. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to mention. Did you see uh, two weeks? Uh, so third week of September, uh, the return of Paw Patrol. No. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. It was Shit. Just yeah. In, it was Variety last week. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So give me okay. a, what you want me to go or you to go. Let me ask you this, Josh. Okay. Would you rather mm-hmm. spend the rest of your life as a pillow pet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or a rocking horse? Oh, pillow pet. Yeah. Pillow pet. What kind of pillow pet? Uh, elephant. Elephant? I don't know if yeah. I make those. Well, because the choice really on that one mm-hmm. is between being drooled on 
for the rest of your existence or being crotch ground on? <laughs> I think people who are on rocking horses are probably doing a fair bit of drooling, too. Yeah, but not directly onto you. Plus, you have Um, more versatility as a pillow pet because you're both a pillow and a pet. Well, And there's long periods of time when nobody's using you and you're just sort of – and you're soft. Okay, that's a good one. Okay, so, Kate. Yes. Would you rather French kiss an anthropomorphic human-sized spider? Okay. You know, so we're talking like sh- a shilob type thing. Or t- are we it. talking like Gary Oldman at the end of Lost in Space? Like- we're talking, yeah. He, like, he, like, you know what? Not even spider. We're talking like Goldblum fly style. Oh, oh okay. okay. Oh, French like, kiss that. Like or at the end? Like right, right. at the end? When okay. he's fully fly-faced. Oh, okay. God. Or <laughs> never kiss another human being as long as you live. How? Wait, okay. So can I ask you a question? Sure. How long do I have to kiss Jeff Goldblum fly man in this scenario? 20 seconds. And am I going to catch the fly from him? No. Okay. Um, if so I 20 choose... seconds of tongue kissing with fly Jeff Goldblum <laughs> yeah. or or never kiss another human being as long okay. as you live. If I choose never kiss another human being again, can I still have sex? Yes. Ooh, you just raise the air. Oh. <laughs> I think that like the Jeff Goldblum thing, that would make like a good story, right? Later? I don't know. You tell like, me. Is Gina Davis there watching? Do you like want holding, her to be? Is holding, that, are you into that? I'm like, is she holding the gun? Is so he that, into that? I don't know. He's a fly man. Uh, in your what in your imagination? I would say no. No, Gina. Does it make a difference? I was thinking, no, like, Gina. Does she have a gun on me? Like, is she, like she does at the end of the movie where she's. I mean, like, frankly, ah. if, if Gina Davis were there and told me that to, I would, you don't even have to give me a downside because I'm <laughs> that would, into Gina. You Davis. would. You I'm would. That into, I am that into late '80s Gina Davis. Yeah. Um. Jesus. <sighs> Am I allowed to still, like, kiss my grandmother and, like, give her a peck on the cheek? No. No? Just no, no kissing? Kiss, no kissing any, anywhere? Not even sexy kissing? No. Just, like, mwah. Nothing. Um, well, I'm going to go with kiss Joel, Jeff Goldblum. So 20, sec- 20 seconds of tongue kissing Jeff Goldblum yes. whilst I remain a pillow pet for eternity. Yes. As always, thank you folks for listening. We really enjoyed spending an hour with you. We hope you do it again sometime next week or in the future. Thank you for listening. Kakumo, 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 Kakumo.